the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He will teach us lessons. I wonder in the midst of your hardship what God is trying to teach you. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. As a believer... After all the garbage that we're putting up with here on this side of heaven, in the end, heaven will be ours. Did you get that? In the end, we will spend eternity with the God of creation, the one who made it all. We will spend eternity with him. Yes, Abraham chose this path and he walked in it and he walked it out by faith. You know, faith just simply means believing without having to see. It's believing without proof or evidence. And because of this, Abraham is the only man in the Bible to be known as the friend of God. Now, I would hope that I'm a friend with God. I would hope that you're a friend with God. But that terminology is only used with Abraham in all the Bible. He walked with God. He was a friend of God. His name started as Abram. And God will change it to Abraham. Now, Abraham means father of a multitude. Now, that's a pretty strange name to give to an elderly man who's 75 years old and his wife is 65 years old and he has no children and the chance of him having children because, I mean, oh my goodness, him and Sarah probably married for who knows, you know, 40 years at this point, you know, 50 years at this point. And it's like the chance of them having kids now is slim zero and none, let alone a multitude. Yet God had a different plan. He had another plan, just like God has another plan for you and I. But let's read together how we start off first hearing about Abraham in the Bible. We'll start in Genesis chapter 12. Of course, we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and so that you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went forth You know, as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, who was his nephew, then now Abraham was 75 years old when he departed 
from Haran. Wow. Well, that's a mouthful there. Let's pull this apart a little bit. And then I'm going to save one last part of that for the end. We'll come back to it. But let's start here in verse one. God spoke. Did you notice that? He spoke. He said to Abraham, you go forth. This is from the Hebrew word, yalik. And it means to the parts, to walk, to go. Now, That word go is an interesting word because in the dictionary, it means to set into motion without reference to destination. And this is exactly what God told Abraham to do. And let's not miss out on Abraham's response in verse four. He said that he went forth. He just went with it. Okay, you said to go forth. I'm going to go forth. Or in the King James, it says he departed. The Hebrew word means that he broke out. Simply put, God told him to go, and Abraham packed his bags, and he hit the road. Now, could you imagine that? God speaks to you. You quit your job. You sell your house. You clean out your bank account. You leave all your family and your friends, except for your wife and your nephew. And I'm sure as we go ahead and read down the road, he probably should have left his nephew there. But that's a whole other point. We'll get to him in another Bible study. But know this, God's plan was bigger than Abraham could have ever imagined. For God was molding Abraham to be the father of our faith, making all believers to this day his descendants. Listen to what the Bible says in the New Testament talking about us being his descendants. He says this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6. He says, Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. We're of faith. We came to Jesus by faith. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. He preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations shall be blessed in you. Every nation, every race of people, every color of skin, every shape of the eyes, everyone's going to be able to come to know God by faith because of this man, Abraham. But look what he said there. He said that Abraham believed God And it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. He simply by faith believed what God said, and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. That word righteousness means in right standings with God. When we come to Christ by faith, we come to him by faith, and it's reckoned unto us as being in right standings by God. And then he goes on to say that we will be justified as Gentiles. That word justified means just as if you've never sinned. So by coming through Christ, who is a descendant through the bloodline of Abraham, we are now coming to God by faith in Christ. Now listen, before Moses came onto the scene, hundreds of years before Moses would ever be be known as Moses, before the law came in, before the Torah was ever written, man came to God in this covenant between God and Abraham through faith. So we're going before Moses, before the Torah, before the law, we are going back to how God established 
the relationship with him through Abraham by faith. And it will be given unto you and accounted to you as righteousness. And all the nations will come. Listen, God created the Jewish people right here. There was no Jewish people. He came out of the land of the Chaldeans, the land of Ur. And it's just like, so he, he created the Jewish people. He said, okay, Abraham and your wife, Sarah, you're going to have a family. And now I'm going to start the whole Jewish race with you. So this is the beginning of it right here. So there was no, you know, chosen people. You know, there was no nothing before this. God created this people. And now he said, what? It was going to be for all the nations of the world. The Jews were created to be the bearers of light for all the nations of the world. So God created this people. He called them their chosen people. They are the apple of his eye. But their purpose is to spread the news so that all the nations and everyone could come to know Christ as their Savior. Well, what can we learn here today from the founding member of the Walking by Faith Club? This man, who is personally known as the friend of God. Well, the first thing is this. When God calls a man or God calls a woman, he has a plan for that man or that woman. God told Abraham to leave his home. That means he was to abandon, to vacate, to move on. He was called to become a pilgrim and a stranger. Abraham had to turn his back on what was familiar to him because he lived now, was going to live by faith and faith alone and not by sight. What an example for you and for me because we're called to do the very same thing. We're called to leave our old lifestyle behind. He's not talking about your house. He's talking about your lifestyle. You Stop being who you've been for so many years. Stop being that same person. You are called to change now. Know this, the call to salvation includes the call to separate. I wonder if there are any areas of your life today that still need to be separated from. Like you've come to Christ, but you still got a couple bones in the closet, let's say. You got a couple areas of darkness in your life that you sneak off to. God says, I want you to separate from those things. People will ask me, Pastor, if I become a Christian, do I have to change? And I say, hmm, let me think about that. Um, Yes, you have to change. You have to leave the things that God calls our sin. You have to leave those things. You have to change because, see, progressive Christianity today that's infiltrating the true church, progressive Christianity is not Christianity at all because it says you can do whatever you want and, oh, God's just going to love you. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches more on judgment than it does on heaven. Okay, so we have to repent of our sin. We have to turn from our wickedness. And that's what allows freedom to come inside. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. See, that word separate means to exclude. It means to sever. Listen, when I came to Christ, I had to sever things. I had to sever the bong pipe out of my life. No more bonging, okay? No more drinking. I had to separate myself from those things. I had to sever those things. Severing the things that you know know are wrong 
Or are there still a few bones again in that closet? An ungodly alliance? A questionable relationship? An area of obvious sin? How long will it be allowed to dominate your life? How long will it control you? How long before you live and walk by faith? 1 Corinthians 5.11 says, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother. If he is an immoral person, a covetous person, or an idolater, or a reveler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even eat with such a one. So you have relationships in your life that you hang out with, your best friend. Hey, we've been buddies ever since the first grade. It's like, okay, hey, great, but guess what? If they're not a believer, you have to sever that relationship. What? Don't, there's no way. I'm not going to do that. Are you dating someone who's not a believer? Are you hanging out? Are you spending the majority of your time? It's like you have to sever that relationship. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, then you're going to be stunted in your growth with Christ. And you're, dis, you're disobeying what God has for you. Listen, God doesn't ask you to do anything more than he asked me to do. Just as God separated the day from the night in Genesis 1, he also desires us to be separated from anything that will stand between our relationship with him. Now, Abraham, he obeyed that call and he separated himself. I wonder what you'll do. See, God told Abraham in verse 2, I will bless you. This word bless could be translated happy. This word in this text is a plural sense. So what God was telling Abraham, listen, you're giving up everything to come and follow me, but guess what? I will make you a happy, happy man. Isn't this the ultimate pursuit of humanity to find happiness? and true peace of mind? Well, I think it's safe to say that none of us want to feel like a prisoner, do we? Nobody wants to feel entrapped in life. We all want to feel free, do we not? Maybe you feel that your peace comes and goes. It's here sometimes and sometimes it's not. Romans 8, 2 says this, for the law of the spirit of life of Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. When we come to Christ and we choose to follow him, we have been set free. Now, it doesn't mean that you get up every day like, I'm so happy to be alive, you know, but it just means that there's a freedom inside of us. And some days are better than others, granted, but it's like there's a joy that resides inside of us. Know this, being free and filled with the peace of God does not alleviate us from hardship doesn't alleviate us from all trials, but that does give us a lasting peace in the midst of them. Let's read what it says in verse 10. Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 says, now there was a famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was severe in the land. Hmm. I can hear Abraham now, can't you? I mean, I can hear him saying like, oh my goodness, and crying out to the Lord, oh God, 
I did what you called me to do. Did I not? Did I not pack my bags when you told me to pack my bags? I did everything that you said. And now I'm out in the middle of the willy bushes, knocking down lettuce trees. And it's like there's a famine in the land. I have no place to call my own. Am I going to die here in the wasteland? My wife is on me like, why did you move me out to this little place in the desert? It's like, I hate this place. Why did you move me here? Maybe some of us are going through some very, very difficult times right now because of COVID and other circumstances. And you're thinking, God, where are you? Where are you? I I can't see you. I can't hear you right now. Know this, he's right in the midst of your circumstances. That's where he is. Understand, when we feel pushed, when we feel pulled, when we feel completely overwhelmed, God said and promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. He is by our side when we feel him. He is by our side when we don't feel him. And in a time, he will prove himself. In time, he will show himself strong on our behalf. But until then, while you're in the midst of the fire, he will teach us lessons. I wonder in the midst of your hardship, what God is trying to teach you. What are you learning in this time? The very circumstances that we only see misery in could very possibly be the very instrument that God is using to refine us, to literally draw us closer to him. So hang on in the midst of your battle. Cling to him by faith in this time of turbulent action. You know, trust him in this time that doesn't seem like there's any ray of hope. For the power of God many times is only revealed when we are in the midst of the fire. Understand, again, gold, to be refined, to be pure, to be beautiful, it must first go through the fire. And that's where the fires get heated up and gold gets melted down. It's 1,102 degrees. How would you like to be gold thrown into that? Ah, it's a little hot in here. Get a little hot under the collar. Okay, and so there you are, 1,102 degrees. But when gold is at that point, that's when the impurities rise to the top. And they call it slag. And they get the slag out and they keep scraping the slag off the top. And as the slag rises up, the gold becomes more and more pure. 14 karat gold. 18 karat gold they just leave the fire on that much longer and they purify it that's what god does in our life the fire goes on and we can either become bitter or we can become better and that's where god wants to refine us and so it goes many a quality individual was molded through the fires of hardship in this life that's how you grow not through vacations and all of that. We all love those, and I think you need a little bit of everything. But we also need hardship because that's what God uses to wake us up. And now Abraham, he's in the fire now. You know, there's no food. And instead of waiting on the Lord, and he's like, oh God, what do you want me to do? He, like us, like what we do many times, we take matters into our own hands. But we're going down to Egypt, man. There's food down there. Let's just go there. Understand, this disillusioned pilgrim said to himself, I can fix this. 
There's, it'll be better someplace else. Let me go someplace else. All my joy will come to me someplace else. I don't like being here anymore. I can't stand this place. I'm going someplace else because the grass is going to be greener on the other side. Then you get there and you realize it's astroturf. It's not even real grass. What happened here, you know? And it's like, but there he goes. So he says, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to head to the big city. So it says that he went down to Egypt. In the Bible, Egypt has always represented the world. Now, when you're a Christian and you talk about the world, what does that mean, the world? That term, the world, means a society or culture with God left out. See, the United States used to be a nation that was founded on God. We were, quote, a Christian nation. But now we're just like the world, meaning, you know, we're worldly. We're no longer that Christian nation. We're worldly. Why? Because our nation has excommunicated God out. We've excommunicated prayer, the cross, scripture, the Bible, all of these things out. So that's why we're just like the world now. We're this, we're this society. We're this culture with God left out. So Abraham turned back to the world to meet his needs. I wonder if there's anyone here that has done the same. Maybe you're in the midst of that even now. You know, understand, the world can only satisfy you temporarily. Yes, those going back to Egypt, going back to the world, will always be headed down. The world, as you know, can be a dangerous, dangerous playground. It can be a deadly trap for you and for me. Listen to this warning in 1 John 2.15. It says, do not love the world, nor the things of the world. For all that is in the world, you know, he says this. He says, if, if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Every time the unexpected hits, we, like Abraham, we can gravitate back to the world. Well, I, I can fix this. This is what I used to do. I'm going to go back where I used to be. See, our own means, what we think, we think it's best. Instead of seeking the face of God and what is his will. And as soon as they arrived in Egypt, oh, the battle began. Pharaoh sees Sarah. Now, Sarah's 65 years old here, okay? She's a 65-year-old woman. But listen, the Bible makes it very clear that Sarah was a babe, okay? She was a beautiful, stunning woman at 65 years old, okay? So, so Abraham, on the way down there, is like, hey, uh, you know, honey, sweetheart, uh, apple dumpling, uh, you know, you're a total babe. When Pharaoh sees you, man, he's just going to be like, oh, my goodness, this woman's drop-dead gorgeous. He's going to want you, and he's going to kill me. So I'm going to throw you under the bus, and I'm going to protect my own skin here. But I'm going to say it in a way that makes it sound not so bad, okay? Okay, so why don't you just tell him that you're my sister instead of my wife? That way he won't kill me to take you. So he's just thinking like, okay, it's just this is my sister. Now, that was kind of a half-truth, which is really kind of a lie. But it is a half-truth because in uh, uh, Genesis 20, we'll see here later that, that uh, they actually had the same dad and different mom. Uh, they get down to Egypt, and Pharaoh sees Sarah, and she's stunningly beautiful. And is like, hey, who's this? Uh, it's my sister. And he's like, oh, great. Here, let me have you. I'll take you as my wife.
going to put you in my harem, and you're going to be a great playmate for me in the bed. Okay, you know. So everything's all good and everything. Uh, as Abraham froze, could you imagine the look that Sarah was giving her husband as she was being taken away? <laughs> Even though Abraham freezes, God intervenes for Sarah. Let's read what happens, picking up in verse 17. It says, But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Get out of Egypt. Verse 20, Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him away and his wife and all that belonged to him. Hey, just get out of here. Just leave. You're out of here. You know, it's like, wow, Pharaoh rebukes Abraham. Have you ever been uh, rebuked by a non-believer? All they have to say is, hey, I thought you were a Christian. Oh, cuts like a knife. When you get out there and you're acting in the flesh, it's just never a good thing. Listen, Abraham's trip to Egypt made him a coward, a liar, and he left covered in shame. Yet no matter how bad we blow it, God allows us to come back to him. Isn't that the good news? Isn't that good? We can seek his forgiveness. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.